0: living a more healthy life.
1: So I love the topic for this year, detoxification. It is one of the most important topics that we could ever address at our health summit. Because as Joel mentioned, everyone, every single person needs to know how to detoxify their body, mind, and spirit in order to achieve optimal health and wellness. The dietary guidelines are the most influential document in the history of health and nutrition, the most influential document. Like you said, it affects every aspect of our lives, even when you don't want it to. The label that you're talking about is the Nutrition Facts label.
0: Well, it's, it's it's the completely ubiquitous, orthodox approach. It's in every news source, it's in every media, it's in every government bulletin, it's in the teacher's classroom, it's it's being told to the students when you know when a when a doctor comes and visits or when a, a dietitian comes and talks to a class. It, it is completely, it is completely blanketing the culture. Welcome everyone to another Beyond Labels podcast with yours truly, Joel Salatin, the farmer and the quintessential researcher, Dr. Stina McCullough, who has a um an, an item a topic in her uh crawl this week that's really uh fascinating um she, she's cena has come across some real um disturbing disconcerting issues with the got with the dietary guidelines advisory committee and so you're not going to hear much from me today i'll chime in if necessary but really i want uh cena to tell us what she's learned give us some background and um and 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 help us to understand some of the the machinations behind what we see at the store
1: Great. thanks joel okay this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart we're all i think familiar with the dietary guidelines for most of us growing up this was presented to us as the food guide pyramid right it's now called my plate and there's a study that came out in march of this year 2022 Speaking about the conflicts of interest among the members of the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, so uh, and it's very eye-opening. Before we get into those the study conclusions, I just wanted to go over a little bit about these guidelines because while we're familiar with them, right? Most of the most of us were taught this in school, in grade school. It's like ingrained in our minds. I don't think most of us realize how influential these guidelines are in, um, in our daily lives. Even still, those of us who are aware of the intention behind these guidelines, I don't think that we realize how much they still affect us, okay? So these dietary guidelines were created by the government and um, they're actually required by statute. So by law, they're required by law to form the foundation for all national nutrition programs and all um, guidelines for state and local governments, all healthcare professionals in their training, all hospitals, and all community groups, they all use these government dietary guidelines for their dietary recommendations, and they're required to by law. So these affect, um, we're all touched by them. Okay, so for instance, School lunch programs and school breakfast programs, they're built based on these dietary guidelines. The SNAP program, which we used to call welfare, that's based on the dietary guidelines. The um, nutrition for seniors who need it, dietary guidelines. If you go to the hospital, if you go to a military base, um, you're going to be fed based on these dietary guidelines. All dieticians and all medical doctors and nutritionists are trained. Based on the dietary guidelines and legally, they're supposed to advise you to eat based on these guidelines. It's in all educational material for all schools, the veterans, Department of Defense, and so forth. It's all based on these guidelines and even what research is funded at the NIH. It's based on these guidelines. And wow. the
0: food- yeah, Cena, <laughs> Cena. you know, if I could just uh, uh, point uh, just last week, I spoke at a um, a Uh, private school over in uh, in in Washington state and they have started they've got a four acre farm that they've started with their school program and they have a very large um, uh, child care uh, daycare program kind of a head start daycare program it's an outgrowth of a a church that's that's taken this under their wing it's the the school is pretty big it's about 500 students so it's not a you know not a backyard operation and um, and I, I spent the day, of course, with the headmaster, the principal and, and the different things. And, and she was explaining to me the difficulty of being able to use the food that they produce in the four acre farm that the, that the children are producing. They can't bring that that food. They can't bring that stuff into the to the kitchen, let the kids eat it, because the the uh, the paperwork. To um, to fill out for the for the guidelines to 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 comply because this is a um, there there are there are government subsidies in this daycare program okay so because they because some government money is involved in the program they're not free to actually supplement uh, with 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 material that doesn't have an analysis so if you have a can if you have a can of material with a nutrient analysis on it then you can figure you know you can figure out you can fill out the paperwork for you know the the, the whatever the, the, the children are eating but if you bring in some carrots from the garden or beets or an egg you know an egg from the chickens those those are sourced the, the provenance is not labeled you know, it's not nutrient labeled. So you can't fill out the paperwork. And it was, it was just, as she described this, I just, I was almost, sorry, I'm naive about this, but, but I was in shock uh, of just how, man, you, you are understating the case, the, the interventionist, the, the pervasiveness of these guidelines in every single thing that takes one penny of government money, uh, it completely drives the menu, the provenance, the the, the decision making, uh, everything. It's, it's really astounding.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that example because that brings it home of how this how this is actually affecting, for instance, the one situation with the children. Now, the dietary guidelines are the most influential document in the history of health and nutrition. Right, the most influential document. Like you said, it affects every aspect of our lives, even when you don't want it to. So, here, the label that you're talking about is the Nutrition Facts label on the food. So, I have one here, right? You flip it around, Mm -hmm. you can see the Nutrition Facts label. If you're listening to the podcast, you can just go into your kitchen and grab something that's packaged. You know, this happens to be a package of, of beans. Grab something that's packaged and look, flip it over and look at the Nutrition Facts label. This comes from the dietary guidelines. All right. Now, what do you see on that label? If in bold, I don't know if you can see it, Joel, Mm -hmm. in bold is calories. Calories. Yeah. Right. Calories. And then we'll go down and it's fat, cholesterol, sodium, carbohydrate, and protein. Why are those on this? They could have picked anything, right? They could have picked any. They could have picked phytonutrient content right? Wouldn't we choose our foods differently if it had phytonutrient content listed on there, right? (laughs) They could have picked anything. And they didn't because the committee that gets together that decides the dietary guidelines, they've decided that they've targeted these specific food categories and said that these are the nutrients of interest and concern. So, and it makes sense, right? The, The total fat, they have saturated fat and trans fats. Those are the evil fats, right? The ones that we hear about. Don't eat too much of that. Um, you're going to get heart disease. And then cholesterol. Remember the whole eggs are bad now? Oh, now eggs are good. Now we have to eat white omelets only. They, they targeted the cholesterol. Same thing for the carbohydrates and proteins and the sodium. If, if you've so Let me give you some examples. Some examples of how on an individual level, some of us have been affected by the guidelines. And I would say, and I um, kind of indulge me for a minute here as I go through this list that I've just created, I'd say we've all been affected, okay? And that's a pretty strong statement. I'd like to give myself some wiggle room all the time, but I think we've all been affected and let me explain how, okay? The first one is the label that we just talked about. How many people have ever counted calories, right? How many people have ever thought the counting calories was important? That's how you lose weight or whatever, right? Right. This nutrition facts labels based on the 1200 calorie diet. The the idea of counting calories was instilled in our heads from these dietary guidelines. And now we know it's absolutely false. It's a myth. You do not count calories to try to lose weight. A calorie is not a calorie, but that's another show, right? Um, If you, If you think that eating fat is going to make you fat, right? That's another perception that the dietary guidelines have given us. If you think eating red meat is bad for your heart, if you feel, if you eat the meat anyway, but a little piece of you feels guilty for eating the red meat, if you've ever removed skin from your chicken before you ate it, (laughs) if you've ever had... Chosen low-fat milk or low-fat yogurt versus full fat. If you've ever tried to avoid saturated fat, right? If your body has ever craved a juicy hamburger and you see that fat dripping off of the hamburger and you think to yourself, oh, I really want that burger, but mm, maybe I shouldn't actually eat that, right? Whose voice is that in your head? Right. That's the government's voice. Okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. If you view few foods as individual components, Mm. okay. As opposed to one unit in its entirety that was developed the way that God designed in order to give you what it needed in its certain proportions. Okay. This is these dietary guidelines, these nutrition facts labeled, really fueled our thinking of food as individual components this is like what we do in western medical system where instead of viewing the body holistically we break it down into its individual components right if you um, if you have heart disease you're going to go to a a cardiologist right if uh, cancer you go to an oncologist right um You go to a rheumatologist, if you have arthritis, we've broken the body into component pieces. We no longer look at it as a whole in our Western society, Western medicine thinking. The same has happened with food. We break it down to its component pieces. This is reductionist thinking. We no longer view food as this holistic food designed perfectly for us to consume. Instead, what we do now is this has led the way for us to believe that you can get your nutrition from a bottle, right? You can piece it together. I can get my oh, I'm low in magnesium. I can just take this magnesium supplement here. I need vitamin C, right? Trying to boost my immune system. I'm going to take this vitamin C capsule over here. So it's it has separated us even further from our whole from our food supply by having us all kind of be under this spell that everything is this reductionist thinking everything can just be pieced together synthetically and we don't actually look at food in its whole form and how those individual components within the food are working together right they're designed to work together and not be pieced apart into these individual nutrients so oh I'll, another one I find this amongst our community too. And by our community, what I mean by that is foodies, people who are already in their, they're, they're spending their money on this high quality food. They're in the kitchen cooking. So one of the most common things I hear is they're making their own broth, right? And then what do they do? First thing they do, once the broth is made, they skim the fat off the top of the broth. Mm. And I ask them, why? Why, why are you doing that? right? That came from, as long as you're getting food sourced from a reputable farm, you know, like yours, Joel, I'm not concerned with toxins accumulated in the fat, right? So why are you scraping the fat off the broth? And if you start talking to them, it is, it's that little voice in their head. That's the government. And it comes from these dietary guidelines. So these are just a few examples I've given, but I I think you can see, yeah. The breath, the tentacles that are so invasive in our food supply.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's the, it's the completely ubiquitous orthodox approach. It's in, it's in every news source. It's in every media, it's in every government yes. bulletin it's, it's in your, it's in the, the, the teacher's classroom. It's, it's being told to the students when, you know, when a, when a doctor comes and visits or when a, a dietician comes and talks to a class um, it, it, it's in there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it is completely, it is completely blanketing the culture. And, and, you know, it's, unless you're a, you know, a hermit in a cave somewhere in Idaho, um, it, it's almost impossible to, when, when we're bomb if, if we're in the culture at all, you know, we're, we're bombarded by it. I mean, you, you know, uh, and, and, and I, I, let me just say too, as, a, as a producer, Cena that, that nutrient label that you just held up those things are act to to get that done on an item of food uh, individually is extremely expensive which is why um at our farm we actually use the usda you know there are there are um um standard usda labels like for an egg or, you know, for chicken or uh, beef or whatever. And so, you know, we are now by law supposed to um, display a nutrient label. Fortunately, it doesn't have to be on every single package, but it has to be at point of sale. So in our farm store, you know, we've got this notebook with with the, nutri- you know, the to, to comply with the regulations. But the thing is, we've had some of our stuff checked just kind of independently, and it's nowhere, th- those USDA labels from KFOS from, from and factory farms, they're nowhere close to anything. I mean, like, you know, our eggs have, you know, the, the egg USDA label on, ribo- on, on folic acid, for example, is 48 micrograms per egg. Our eggs have 1,038 micrograms per egg. But what do we have in our store? We have in our store the USDA label. Why? Because to get to, to to punch through the 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 licensing requirements to put an individual label on our product is like is like you know $20,000 per item well we we don't have you know $6 million to spend on our 300 different items and, and so um so it actually uh, not n- not only is it that ubiquitous but for those of us who are in the uh, the authentic food business, um, it 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 keeps us from actually being able to say the truth about what's in there. So we just by default we just use the USDA label. They don't care and or the, whatever the USDA you know the whatever the standards are uh, for that for that uh, product and they're as wrong as they're as wrong as can be. But the USDA doesn't care about that. All they care about is, all right, you know, you have a nutrition thing um, and that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. And to piggyback on that, we didn't even mention diets, right? Most diets are designed around protein, carbs, and fats, right? We've, we've broken down foods as to how many proteins, how much protein, how much carb, how much fat is in that food, right? Hence, if you look back on your nutrition facts label, it has fat, carbs, and protein right? And that's how we're taught to think of food. And we're actually trained. So when I was getting my PhD in nutrition, you're trained to look at food in categories. We're going to clump these foods as protein, these foods as mainly carbohydrate sources, these foods as mainly fat sources. So you literally identify the foods based on this reductionist model. And as you're saying here, the question is, are the dietary guidelines accurate? And I think at this point, Right, at least our audience already knows. those di- di- dietary guidelines are not accurate. Yeah. And in fact, I'll um, raise the stakes on that one. So these dietary guidelines were created largely by one man. One man, Ansel Keys. It was based on a false narrative. It was influenced by industry, and it was never even tested. So before it was unleashed onto the American public, it was never even tested. It was one man's theory that was not actually tested. Now, do you want me to touch base a little bit on the go into the history a little bit
0: of how that happened? No, I think we, we've only got about six or seven minutes left. Oh. Since I think I think we'd better. I I, I knew this was going to be hard to rein you in on Why this not? topic because this, this the, a a you you know a lot about it, which which I just find fascinating that you know. You, you, you get done. Every time I have a conversation like this with you, I just walk away shaking my head uh, that that that, we're, that that the whole culture is duped. I mean, the, the entire world almost is is duped. So anyway, uh, I know you wanted to deal with these conflicts of interest that are kind of, you know, a new uh, a, a new aggressive point that you wanted to bring up. So let's use the, the few minutes we have remaining to uh, to jump on that that. That real time cutting edge stuff that you're finding.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so the study published in March of 2022. It's, um, and this is a peer reviewed journal it's been published in. Title is Conflicts of Interest for Members of the US 2020 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. Okay, now, just in in brevity, these, uh, the dietary guidelines that we've been talking about, they're actually there's basically a a panel, a committee of around 20 experts, quote-unquote experts. They tell the USDA and the Healthy Human Services what the dietary guidelines should be, okay? So there's a committee that basically crafts the guidelines. They rely heavily on reviews from organizations like the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology. All right. Now, when I reported on this in my first book, Hands Off My Food, I tracked some of these organizations and was able to report that American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, for example, they're heavily supported by food and drug companies, which means the food and the drug industry influence our dietary guidelines, okay? Now what we have is the first ever study. This is the first ever study that's published that actually reviewed these conflicts of interest among these members of this supposed expert committee. Okay. And what they have, and again, this is published. They looked at the conflicts of interest dating back more than a decade. That way they could see if there's a long-term pervasive influence of these industry actors on scientists. What the study found was that 95% of the committee members, that's 19 out of 20 committee members, had conflicting interests with the food and or pharmaceutical industries. Okay, so I wanted to break that down a little bit, but 95% of them, so 19 out of these 20 people were influenced, and these are the dietary guidelines, the most influential documents that we have ever in the history of health and nutrition that affects all of us. Okay, so what they found was more than 60% of the total number of conflicts of interest were from research funding and from the the, the board members being on committees or advisory boards in the companies. So this is is huge, right? So they're either getting funding directly from these companies, right? um, That they're supporting in these dietary guidelines or they're on the committees of these companies. I mean, that's crazy. Now, and then if you look at the companies, the um, some of the biggest actors here were Kellogg, Abbott, Kraft, Mead Johnson, General Mills, and Dannon. I mean, what kind of foods do they produce, right? I mean, these are the foods, if you look back, these are the foods that are promoted by the dietary guidelines. There was another one that um, was interesting. One of the... Pro- Primary actors as well was the International Life Sciences Institute. Okay, this is a group that quote says that they quote conduct science for the public good and quote improves human health and well-being and safeguards the environment. Right, so they're, they they p- present themselves as they're doing this for our good. They're really though an industry-funded food lobby. And they had connections with multiple members of the, of the Dietary Guidelines Committee. Um, so let me give you a couple examples to back up that statement that, they're, that the International Life Sciences Institute is actually an industry-funded food lobby, okay? They had the greatest number of ties over time with the largest number of committee members. According to their tax returns, they received funding from Coca-Cola, Mars, Nestle, General Mills, Kellogg, Hershey, Kraft, Dr. Pepper, Snapple, Starbucks, Cargill, Campbell Soup, Monsanto, Syngenta, Dow, AgriScience, and Bayer, right? So I'm sure they're very impartial, right? Um, there's a VP of the European division that actually stated that glyphosate was not likely to cause cancer. And so it's interesting to note that this organization has received significant financial contributions from Monsanto itself, right? Um, then in June of 2016, the organization US Right to Know released a report indicating that Dr. Dr. Barbara Bauman, she was the director of a CDC division that was charged with preventing heart disease and strokes, okay? She actually tried to help this organization's founder influenced the World Health Organization's officials to back off policies that were aimed to reduce sugar consumption. Okay. Mm. This organization funded a sugar study. It was published in a prominent journal in 2016. And this organization in that article argued that the warnings to reduce sugar intake was based on weak evidence that can't be trusted.
0: So, <laughs> mm. so Wow. I,
1: it's unbelievable so, yeah. so the conclusion the conclusion of this study is this I'm gonna read it to you trustworthy dietary guidelines result from a transparent objective and science-based process. Our analysis has shown that the significant and widespread conflict of interest on the committee prevents the, the dietary guidelines. Um, From achieving the recommended standard for transparency without mechanisms in place to make this information publicly available, we are making the information publicly available. Basically, we are being bold, we're stepping forward, we're exposing Mm -hmm. this lie that affects every single one of us on so many levels beyond what you can imagine, and we're done with it. And this is basically who has changed your perception of food, because that was the goal of the dietary guidelines. It was the government- changing what you think about food so they could nudge your behavior.
0: Wow that is that is really profound. And if that doesn't well two 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 things come to mind as we wrap up here if for me my my whatever response to all that. Um one is <laughs> uh Every single one of these government panels, boards, advisory committees is completely tainted. They're they're um, they're, they're dishonest. They're they're dishonest at at worst and tainted at best. Um, but number but number two is where's this? Where's the media on this? You know where's where's the 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 front page Wall Street Journal article about this? Where's the you know where's the lead headline? And so. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's just not in that media. So, um, well, they're this, largely uh,
1: bought and paid for, sure.
0: <laughs> right? uh, no. yeah, look, look at, look at, look at the ad, look who's, look who's sponsoring the news programs. That's right. Uh, look who's advertising. It's, it's the same people that are, that are, um, running the, the food system. So the bottom line is you gotta go beyond labels. <laughs> you just have to go beyond labels. Cause, cause le- you, you can't trust the labels. You can't trust the people that make the labels. You can't trust the thinking that supported the idea of the label. I mean, you just keep peeling off the onion. Sina, um, uh, thank you for, for being our watchdog here. Uh, and for, for bringing this to everybody's attention. I think everybody is, is, um, is both uh, what, you know, uh, uh, look, we're frustrated by this. It's, it's, it's a bummer, but Hey, let's take this frustration energy and turn it into a completely, um, opposite, uh, self-responsible response and just get beyond labels, get in our kitchens, find our food source, um, um, and take responsibility because, obviously obviously the experts who are supposed to be watching out for our goodwill are not watching out for our goodwill and so the sooner you realize that and start investing time attention effort in uh, in self-education you know until then you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be a stooge of these um you know of these conflicts of interest Thank you for bringing it to our attention, Cena. Thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Beyond Labels.